This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and we've got a great conversation. You want to talk about what you call defining moments. Yeah, defining moments or redefining moments. Okay, you want to define or redefine what you mean by defining moments? Yeah, let me reverse engineer it. Like Most of the time, people think of redefining moments or reinventing themselves after retirement, if they think about doing it. You know, like some people think retirement is just to quit and do nothing and sit on the porch, which is wonderful if that's what you like. There are others who want to start another business and do some other things with their life, and that's wonderful too. But redefining moments, I think, and defining moments, and we'll probably flush those the difference out as we go along, but they happen throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. And I know that with my own life, I missed a lot of them. Like I look back and say, oh, that's what that was. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. You know, but we're living life and like I have busy being a pastor and raising three children. So I had a whole lot of stuff that I missed. And so I think, okay, I missed it. But now I'm bumping into them. And even how to interpret them is much different. So that's kind of the conversation. Maybe I can give you another example. Well, I'll speak generically about it, and then you can give me another example. But there are definitely times when we're going through life and we're just doing what we're doing because that's the next step to take at this particular moment. This is what I'm involved in. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to see what I can do. Sometimes it feels like a stretch or a reach. And... A lot of times it's only in hindsight we realize just exactly how transformative or spectacular whatever it was that we did turned out to be. And I've had those experiences along the way myself, both in my spiritual work and in my earlier work in creativity and technology. But give me an example of yours. Yeah, I thought about this and I had an experience, and I think I've shared this with you. I was divorced in my early 20s. And it was just a really ugly experience. The divorce was fine. Nobody's mad at anybody, nothing like that. But it was the church experience that was so horrific. And I thought through the years, I'm going to write about this experience because I know that other people have experienced it. They don't survive well. I know what it was like for me. I survived. But, you know, how you survive is a personality thing sometimes, I think. So I thought the only thing is, a few people are going to have to die. Before I... 
<laughs> before I write this book because I want the truth out. But at the same time, I don't want to, you know, damage relationships. If people don't understand, it's just a mess. So I said, okay, some people are gonna have to die first. So I got to this place and, you know, like people are still living, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, well, okay, I don't care. I'm writing my book. And I sat down to think about writing it and something happened. And I'm thinking this was a redefining moment. I always think that you shouldn't write, I hate tell-alls. So it wasn't going to be a tell-all. I think when you write something, if you haven't survived it in a positive way, then you're not, the writing doesn't matter because you should be writing to help people get through a similar circumstance. So I said, okay, I survived it okay, but the surviving piece didn't matter. It's like, okay, so now you're okay. You know, you jumped this hurdle. What is this that I've been carrying all these years, being so prepared to tell the story and how I came out of it? All of a sudden, that wasn't the story. And I hope this is making sense. Okay, that's nice. It probably happened to a lot of people and people will say, oh my God, yeah, okay. Was, But that's not the story. The story was the moment I sat down to think about it and realized that the story I was gonna tell was not the story. And that was my redefining moment. All these years, 40 plus years later, carrying what I thought was the story suddenly isn't. So let me see if I'm understanding, and I'm gonna read a lot into this, so it's possible that I get this completely wrong. There's this whole tale of woe about what happened to you Mm -hmm. and how they treated you and how you managed to let your light shine. And the story was about you and how you overcame. And you kept telling yourself that other people need to hear this story so they can hear that it can work. Mm -hmm. You get down to finally writing the story, you realize, oh, this is not about my light and how cool I am. But if I can share this story in a way that people understand that their light is available, then it's worth telling. Otherwise, it's just me with my story. Almost. It wasn't how cool I am because I wasn't cool. Well, nobody who's writing a memoir ever says, I'm writing this to show people how cool I am. So but I, it I really was that. <laughs> it was more about how the church mistreats you mm-hmm. or mistreats people. You know, what we say, we kill our wounded. It was that. And it was more about, I'm not even sure it, you know, well, whatever. It was for divorcees as well as asking the church to take a look at the way we treat people. But then again, that was not the story because the way people are treated is going to be the way they're treated. I mean, that's not going to change. Some churches will treat people, kill their wounded, and some won't. My story is not going to change that. How I survived it, no big deal. I mean, you know, I'm a survivor. There's a lot of people that are. What the story is, is how I looked back and reinterpreted what I saw. And here's what I mean. I carried the anger, the hurt, and all of those years. I had a different choice, but I didn't know it. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't aware that I had a choice not to be hurt or not to be angry. I was just feeling what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. and reacting to what was happening and going on my life. And, you know, I mean, everybody has problems. So it's how you handle the problem going through your life. And then I thought, wait a minute, that is not really the story because everybody has that. 
the real story is the day that it happened, those days that it happened, I had a choice to react in a different way. I didn't know that. I didn't know what the different way was, but I had it. That's the real story. Okay. So when you started, your defining moment was the way that the the killer wounded. That's brutal. When you got out of there as the wounded and were ostracized, rejected, shunned, turned away, made no longer part of the community, your defining moment was the transformation that you made that said, in spite of what's happened to me, I'm okay. And that continued to be your story. I am okay in spite of what happened to me. And the redefining moment is, doesn't matter what happened to me, I'm okay. And to use the metaphor of baggage and dirty laundry is there's stuff that happens and we get soiled and we take that soiled clothing and we stuff it in our bag. And then we carry the bag with us because that's part of us and it's us and that's our story and that's what's happened. And so we carry that baggage around with us and we keep on adding more stuff and every once in a while take something out of there. At some point, we realize I don't need to carry this anymore. And that's where the surrender, the release and the forgiveness happen. And we're not letting people off the hook like, oh, that behavior was okay. What we're doing is we're saying that behavior no longer needs to be operative in my life. So I'm gonna take that out of my bag and I'm going to discard it and I'm gonna continue along with a lighter load. And that even though that was part of my past, it's not part of the story that I'm carrying today. Yes, I want to, if I would tell the story at all, I mean, I'm not writing it because it ain't that big a deal. You know, so <laughs> I, I mean, it happens to a lot of people in terms of the story. I think the principle that I'm trying to share and I'm probably figuring it out as I go. Let me say this. I remember the day that I walked away from that church. I remember it like it was yesterday. I can feel the sun on my face, everything. And I remember what I said. But what I said and how I walked away, that was me. That's my personality. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, God, you know, the God they're talking about in there is not the God I know. It's not how I know you. I'm out. It's me and you. Okay, so that's just me. But me walked away with a lot of hurt all over the years. Now, here I'm looking back and I'm saying, what would you say to somebody going through the same kind of situation, feeling whether it's divorce or whatever it is, you don't have to walk away feeling damaged, you know, feeling hurt as a response to what people have done is a choice. Mm -hmm. How you live your life after I stepped down and walked on the side and put the key in my car, that's the moment you decide how you're going to live with this that has happened to you. Not just put it in the back seat and say, you know, I'm going to live with what they did. No, it's like, can I look back and define each moment and what I saw that happened in a different way? Like that was a small world for me. You know, that was my small world. I'm looking yeah. back now thinking, what? <laughs> you know, but I didn't know that it was a small world. So I'm telling people, listen, there's a picture of the Milky Way, and it shows a picture, two pictures, the Milky Way and imagining the Milky Way without the Earth. And the pictures are exactly the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. like, who ever heard of this place and these people that caused you pain? You know, and I'll ask about some of the people, how they're doing, and, you know, because I still have folk that know me back there. 
Some of them are gone, dead. I don't even know when they died. I might have been carrying people that have died like 15 years after they were gone. So Yeah, you think it's time to take that piece of laundry out of the bag and leave it behind? Because after they die, it's almost certain they're not feeling bad about it. They probably weren't anyway. but They weren't anyway. After they're dead, it's over. That's over. But what if, okay, let's go to the Pool of Bethesda. Okay, when Jesus healed the guy that had been laying at the pool for 38 years. When he did it, you know, let's fast forward after he said, do you want to be healed, blah, blah. He healed him and he said, take up your bed and walk. So usually that's the end of the story. And I said, no, that's not the end of the story. So you got this guy walking with this bed, this baggage. Did Jesus tell him to make sure you take your baggage with you and keep it under your arm? No, you could drop it in the next dumpster you come to. That was a choice. Oh, yeah. But what Jesus was saying was, don't leave it here because you're not going to need it here ever again. I know that. Get yourself and your bed out of here. But what happened? There's nothing in the story that talks, there's a little bit about what he's supposed to do when he gets where he's going. But the point I'm thinking, in that moment, the guy picked up his bed, his bed, he could keep it with him, but he also had the option of dumping it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know that you can dump it. I didn't yeah. know. I thought like you had to cope with it. You don't have to cope. You don't have to cope. And there's a little piece in the prelude to the story is that Jesus didn't just heal the guy. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And required an active commitment and intention from his client, from this person. And because the guy said, yes, I want to be healed, there's no question he got rid of the bed. He had set his intention and that whole process, you know, 38 years, you know, okay, stand up, take the bed, get the hell out of here, make room for something different. And it doesn't matter what happens to the bed. But he didn't ever say he wanted to be healed. You know, like we're going to go through the nuances of that story we could, but he never said he wanted to be healed. He had other dialogue that he gave Jesus. I'm talking about you can walk away unhealed, not healed. Absolutely. And just walk away. And I'm saying that even when you walk away, you know, you walk with a limp, but maybe... You don't have to like that. Maybe it doesn't have to hurt the way you think. You don't have to take the hurt with you. You can deal with it looking at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know. And I see faces even now, and I see them differently than I did before. I'm not going to go on an ego trip and say, I see them with great compassion, because I don't. <laughs> I see faces that hurt me. Mm-hmm. But I also now see faces that have their own story. I just didn't know what it was at that time. Yep. So all of that you take into account. I didn't need to know the story, but people hurt you because of stuff that's inside of them. I didn't know that. I thought I was a bad person. You know, so there were those who tried to convince you that was what it was, because that yes. makes because if you're a bad person, that makes them whatever they're doing, be either okay or better or good. And then it becomes, you know, game on. There's a wonderful metaphor that we have in our everyday technology, our iTunes or our MP3 player. We can set a song on loop, you know, and you get partway through. This is great in country songs. You get partway through when the dog dies, the girl leaves, the truck gets ruined or whatever it happens to be, Yeah, you know, 
And then if it plays again and again and again and again, it's like it's the same story going all over and over again. Now, we already know what it is. We, it already happened. It happened before they wrote the song. Mm-hmm. But we can turn off the loop and play a different song. We can put that one away and say, okay, that happened. And I've grown from that. And all the players did what the players did. And we're all on different paths now. And that's the moment that I'm talking about right there where you said you can turn the loop off. Yep. That's the moment. It really doesn't matter what's going on. It's you decided that whatever's going on is not going on with me anymore. Yeah. That can get by you, you know, because you're busy doing life. And we have ways of coping with pain and whatever so we can get done what we have to get done. But I look back, particularly on that experience, and think how much better I could have lived my life if I stopped the loop. But I didn't know I could. Yeah. Let's take a break and come back and talk about the F word. Okay. (laughs) Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. We're talking about defining moments and redefining moments. Yeah, and I teased you with the notion of the, we're going to talk about the F word. And this is one of those outrageous, upsetting, disruptive terms. And the F word, of course, is forgiveness. And that's part of the transformation. Forgiveness is what happens when we go through our baggage and examine our stuff and understand the story in its actual light and then leave it behind. So forgiveness is not letting the person or the perpetrator off the hook. There are lots of cases where people are victimized. It's not about letting the people who victimized us get away with it. It's about us letting go of that energy cycle about it letting go of the idea that we are bad or unworthy or less than or deserve to be victimized or any of the rest of that stuff. Yes, it happened. No, that's not the truth of who and what we are. And it doesn't matter what the perpetrator is doing now. The forgiveness is inside of us so that we can let go of that energy. And as you say, have a redefining moment and move into something different. You're talking about retirement before we get to retire that old cycle. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about that exact thing, forgiveness. And it played out this way. 
you know, there's just a host of characters that are in whatever story we're dealing with. And I looked at me and I had to forgive me for taking me through that, for not knowing in a sense. And I'm not saying exactly correctly because I haven't thought this through. I didn't rehearse the story or or anything. But uh, it's great. Yeah. So I had to forgive me for letting me feel the hurt, the whatever I felt, all those, you're not up to speed. And the things that they would say, little things would happen in my life and I'd have a flashback. Is this it? Is this it? You know, those things in your belief system that this, whatever. I had to do a lot of forgiving me too, because I'm sure that though how I felt and what I went through, I let that spill out on other people as well. So I had to put apologies out there in the universe, and so to speak. Forgive me for, you know, letting my hurts spill over on you. And talk to Carol. I'm sorry that I let you hurt this way. Because mm-hmm. at some point, perhaps, if you had a conversation with yourself, if you, you know, if your life wasn't going 100 miles an hour, perhaps I could have seen it and prevented Carol from hurting so much. So it's a lot of forgiveness as you said, going on there. The players, and I mean this respectfully, the perpetrators are less important in some ways. Once they stop actively injuring us, yes, they're less important. But that's up to me to make sure you don't actively continue to injure me. I mean, I moved out of the situation physically so you couldn't get to me. But even still, you know, if I hadn't, you have to Bring yourself to a place or find that place where the darts they throw no longer pierce you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they may never stop throwing them. Right. And, you know, the, the biggest players in this whole process are our family of origin, our parents, especially if there's any dysfunction in the family. Even if there's not dysfunction in the family, there's always dysfunction in the family. Because as we're growing up, we have the best things that ever happened to us with our family and the worst things that ever happened and the worst tend to become the dysfunctional stuff. That's, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid, my father would joke, well, here we are having life. This is all stuff you're going to talk to a therapist about later and blame on me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is so cool. <laughs> it was, <laughs> that had a pretty interesting sense of humor. And the fact of the matter is, our siblings and our families and our extended families, the people who were around the most, are also the ones that are the most difficult to get away from permanently. I mean, some folks get estranged. Some people just like they sever all ties and that's painful in its own way. But in a lot of cases, we're trying to renegotiate, okay, how can I be in a family with these people without condoning what they've done in the past, without enabling them to do it with other people and without having to throw away my entire family and my entire lineage? That gets tricky. Yeah, it's like repackaging everything, you know, your whole life. What's important to you, like family reunions, you know, they're not always the greatest thing. (laughs) No, it's (laughs) it's the perpetrators get together. Yes, yes. And, you know, okay, so you don't go, but then you do go, you know, because there are some people you kind of like to be with and you just got to deal with the others. But what I'm advocating in this whole thing, in the first segment, which I may not have said very well, but now, if we just take our time a little bit, go slower, where meditation and spiritual practice and and all of that really help tremendously, 
and just make sure that you are protecting yourself, being aware of what's going on with you. Because as I said, I had to forgive me for not protecting Carol. Mm -hmm. That's a 40 year track, 40 plus. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very fortunate, really, I am. But who wants to go that through that for forty years? You know, well, ten years. It doesn't matter what now. doesn't matter whether you want to or not. And forgiveness work is like washing the soap bubbles out of a bottle. You start with a bunch of soap and you fill it up, and it's all it's all bubbly. And so you dump the water and you rinse it one more time, and it's less bubbly and it's less bubbly. And every time you do it, there's less bubbles, but there's still bubbles. And that's the process we get to repeat over and over and over again, because eventually, even though we know that damn thing was clean, I was, I swear I put it in an autoclave. No, there's still a bubble in there. And it's our work to do again. We've actually been doing at New Thought Philadelphia, we've been doing a forgiveness class. And it's all about looking at old stuff, being really gentle with ourselves, letting ourselves off the hook and letting it be okay that we have grown from whatever that experience was that we had. Do we invite that stuff? Do we want that to have happened to us? No, but that's not what we get to choose. Those were our old defining moments. And we let them define us and get told the story over and over again. And the redefining moments are say, I'm going to tell a different story. So one of the students in the class says to me, I want to forgive myself for being human. And I said, that's interesting. What's that about? And the response was, all of this stuff that's going on, and there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this person's life, all of this stuff is just part of being human. And I said, that's true. But it sounds like what you want to do is say, oh, being human, that's what the suitcase is. I'm just going to dump the suitcase. I said, eventually, you got to go through the stuff that's in the suitcase. (laughs) You got to go through your baggage instead of just leave it on the baggage claim. Somebody will find you and return it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that part where you said, be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah, because I'm an advocate of moving slowly. Yeah. Just take your time and make sure that you're okay. Yeah. And do what you need to do to be okay. I mean, like you said, go through the baggage, but just take your time with it. When I said, certainly you don't want to take 40 years to go through all of that. Everybody said, I wish I knew what then, what I know now. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can see moments in those 40 plus years that I wish I had thought a different way, even about that just one situation that I'm talking about. It would have been kinder and gentler to me in a lot of ways, but it wasn't. So now I'm looking back thinking, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up. It is what it is, but I'm going to say to myself and others to take your time and appreciate this moment and take care of yourself and forgive yourself. And sometimes the baggage isn't as important as you. Mm-hmm. No, the baggage is definitely not as important as you. And in yeah. fact, there's a sequence in the 12 steps that's all about this. It's about doing a fearless and searching moral inventory, basically go through our stuff, share it with another person. And then to whatever extent makes this makes practical sense to make amends to the people who we've injured, the people who we have injured. In the moral inventory, we're going to note all the people who have injured us. So that's actually in a lot of ways easier. But to be able to say, all right, what's my part been in this? And be able to see the mm-hmm. whole picture, you know, see it 360 degrees. And then that awareness gives us an opening to let go of it. Yeah. You know what? You hit it again when you said, what is my part in this? And that's the part, as you know, I take 
always take the most seriously. What's my part in this? Because I can't do anything about you. Mm-hmm. I can't do anything about the way you see me, how you want to treat me. The best thing I could do is if I catch it being negative, just stay away from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. Let's take a break. and When we come back, we're going to do a prayer about redefining moments. Yes. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and it's prayer time. We're going to do a practical prayer, and based on everything we've been talking about, redefining moments and defining moments and forgiveness and surrender, the prayer is going to be for that. And it's going to be more than that. It's about owning what's ours, being aware of where we are in the process, because it's always a process. Forgiveness and surrender and being okay is not an event. It is not a finish line that we cross somehow. It is a cycle that we get to continually deepen into. So as we go through the process, the watchword is gentle. Be gentle with ourselves. If I notice that I've been doing something time and time again for years or for decades, when I notice what it is, I have two choices. I can beat myself up for having done it wrong all those years and how much damage I did and how much time I wasted and how bad I am and yada, 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 yada. Or I can say, oh, now I see it. I do not need to do that anymore. I am now free. And it becomes a redefining moment because we're not talking about what happened in the past. We're redefining who we are as we move into the future. Yes, yes. Yeah. Let's take that into prayer. Knowing that there's one creative power that creates everything, one divine source, one love that has created everything that exists everywhere. Everything on planet Earth, everything in this solar system, everything in this galaxy, everything in the universe is this one infinite creative presence shared in its own specific and particular way. That includes every person, every particle, every insight, every moment. Everything is God's love unfolding in its own way. And sometimes... That presence of God's love is absolutely obvious. On a gorgeous spring day, on a wonderful idyllic moment with our beloved, the presence of God can be so obvious. And that divine presence is with us. It is us in all the other moments as well. In the midst of a huge hurricane, 
some number of miles up, it's still sunny. It's still sunny with a bunch of swirly clouds underneath. And all of that tumult and all of that violence and all of that swirl that's still going on is not apparent when we rise above it. So the transformation, the redefining moment, isn't making the storm stop. It isn't about running away from the storm. It is about being okay in spite of whatever happened during the storm. We don't need to blame the storm. We don't need to blame ourselves for being caught up in the storm. We don't need to blame anything. The redefining moment is when we understand that everything has served its purpose. Everything has brought us to this next new opportunity. And without having been through that experience, I would not know what I know now. I would not be who I am now. And what each of us can know for absolute certain is that the divine love of God is expressing and unfolding and revealing and shining itself through everything that we are, through everything that we do. That bright light of God's love is shining as each one within the sound of my voice. We are each individually and all collectively manifest expression of God's infinite goodness right here and right now. And I know that that good continues to unfold through our lives. It unfolds through gentle guidance and wisdom informing us as to course corrections, changes of perspective and new ideas that will bring uplift and peace and harmony and tranquility into our minds and into our experiences. Each one of us is going through those redefining moments in a way that we are able to let go of whatever the instructions of the past have been, let go of the energy and the baggage and the tumult and the hurt that has happened to us and that we've been carrying with us to release that. And not by throwing it away, not by violently blaming it for being something other than what we wanted, not for blaming ourselves for having been exposed to it or carried it for all this time. Simply the awareness to realize who and what we are and that we are a choice about what to move forward with. And to each go through that process of forgiveness, of taking away the energy, the emotion that we have about what happened in the past. Thinking that if we somehow are angry enough within ourselves, if we seethe enough that the person who harmed us is going to take ill. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And forgiveness is about stopping that process, about letting go of that energy that's so harmful to us and allowing the love and the light that's the truth of who we are to shine ever more brightly. We are not under any circumstances condoning bad behavior or forgiving our victimizers. We're not letting somebody else off the hook. What we're doing is we are acknowledging the truth that we are love right here and right now and always. We are that bright light of God's love individually, not because of what happened to us, but because that's the truth of what we are. The divine light of God's love that something happened to. And so we let loose any thought that that activity, that experience needs to limit the way that that love expresses, the way that that light shines. Allow the good to flow and allow the love to unfold and reveal itself. So that's what I'm claiming for each of us, for everyone within the sound of my voice that experience of a redefining moment, letting go of an old story, opening to something brand new, going through that process of releasing the energy and stepping forward as a newer, grander, more wonderful expression of that bright light of love. That's the truth of who and what we are anyway. So that's what's going on now. I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for the good. I'm grateful for the light. I'm grateful for the willingness 
of each one to take on this challenging task, to step into that newness, to invite the love, to be the light. I'm grateful for the wonderful way that it's happening, and I'm grateful to be able to speak this word and release it into that creative law that has always said yes, and grateful to know that it's once again saying yes. This good is underway now. So I let it be. So it is. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.